One Christmas catalog too many. One Christmas catalog for you. We're talking Captain Sensible and One Christmas Catalog. Hit it. It was 1984. The Red Hot Chili Peppers released their True Men Don't Kill Coyotes video. Milan Kundera published The Unbearable Lightness of Being. John Galliano had his first fashion show. And Captain Sensible released a sublime synth rock evocation of all the ways we use the holiday to mark time. I'm your host, Jerry D., with another episode of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, we got it covered. Now, joining me is an exceptionally special guest. You'll know him from the punk group The Damned, the supergroup Dead Men Walking, and his own amazing solo career. It's Captain Sensible. Uh, Cap, how's it going? Hello, Cherry. Well, thanks for remembering who I am. Um, <laughs> most people got no idea these days because I don't get played much on the radio. But whether I deserve to or not is neither here or there. But uh, <laughs> anyway, what are we going to waffle about today? Well, I honestly, I, I think you should because like your some of your tunes are like fantastic. I mean, of course, with the damned, you got like new rose, but then like on your own, you got Watt and uh, um, Glad It's All Over. Yeah, a title which I stole from uh, the Dave Clark Fives Glad All Over. Uh, which oh, there you go. I, record I bought in the um, in the sixties when I was a schoolboy for six and eightpence. I believe that's what a single used to cost in those days. Oh, I wow. Used to, Used to do a paper round, uh, delivering newspapers, and uh, just just to satisfy my lust for vinyl, which is <laughs> still with me, strangely. Well, and it's funny because vinyls come back now, so everybody's like super into collecting everything on vinyl, and it's a lot more expensive than that nowadays. I mean, you'll find like an album running for like thirty five, forty five, fifty bucks around here. So I can't even imagine what it's like over there. Yes. It's it's nice to have. Uh, I still go to record shops to um, update my collection, not not by buying new, um, you know, new music, newfangled mm-hmm. bands and stuff like that. Because I I generally do live in the past, and I and I love the old sixties <laughs> and seventies sound. But I I try to get really beautiful first edition copies of the albums that I love. You know, so uh, yeah, it's really nice when you find one. I, I remember going to to the states you know uh i used to come back with suitcases full of um vinyl and you know how heavy they are so so um (laughs) thankfully there was this was before they used to weigh the suitcases so i used to bring back (laughs) incredibly heavy uh amounts of and uh it would be full of stuff like the cow stills and you know the mc5 and i I did love the cow stills i have to say you couldn't buy them you couldn't find the records in britain at all really that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder why. I mean, I, I guess I kind of get it because there's a lot of music that doesn't really cross over as much as it should. I mean, for example, uh, like you guys in The Damned, I think you were what, like the first UK punk group to actually like come over to the US and tour. 
but you don't really hear a lot of you, like you said, on the radio. And even back then, I don't remember a lot of it on the radio either. So I guess it makes sense. There wouldn't be a whole lot of crossover, but still, it's a little surprising, especially nowadays where everything, you can find anything anywhere, pretty much, you know, just online. But uh, I really want to talk to you today about uh, One Christmas Catalog. Before we we jump into that song, because it's a fantastic tune, just tell me a little bit about how you got into music and, and how you, you kind of evolved from, uh, you know, The Damned all the way to your solo career. Oh, I've just funnily enough been um, rummaging through an old box of uh, junk and I found a diary from 1965. Oh, wow. I've got it open in front of me. Uh, Rosalind is a girl in my class. We write notes to each other about top of the pops. <laughs> the Rolling Stones <laughs> are at the top of the hit parade this week with This Could Be The Last Time. There you go. That's, uh, I, was, I was obsessed with um, pop music, you know. Uh, yeah. And um, all I ever wanted to do was, uh, you know, twang a guitar for a living. And uh, so, you know... Uh, what was around in the 70s when I got my first guitar was, you know, glam rock and T-Rex, um, oh, Slade, right. Sweet, Roxy Music, all that sort of thing. But I, I really like T-Rex because their songs, they, they were quite easy to learn, you know, generally right. three, three chord kind of pop ditties. I mean, and subsequently, I now understand that the, the three chord pop ditties that, you know, uh, you would imagine would be so easy to write are the most difficult the the toughest songs to put a decent pop tune together is so difficult but to to um to write a, a prog rock you know a, a 15 minute prog rock track you know with lots <laughs> of time changes and stuff like that that's, like that's, that's <laughs> yeah that's quite easy because um because you know anyone can write, uh, anyone can string a load of riffs together and um, you know slap, sling some lyrics at it. But to write right. a great, a great, great pop song is really tough because you're really limited by the you know the genre. And and I find that really exciting. Uh, I, I, in the forty odd years I've been doing this, I mm-hmm. I, I love the challenge of um, trying to write the perfect pop song. You know, I'm never going to come anywhere close uh, to people like, um, you know, John Lennon and Bob Dylan and, and you know, uh, Burt Bacharach or any of these people. I'm Captain Sensible. You know, I know my place. But <laughs> the, the, the challenge is something I really, really enjoy and I, and I embrace. And, and uh, I, I got close to it a couple of times, I think, to write in a, a, a pretty decent pop tune, you know. I th- and I think so too. I, I love what that's like one of my favorite tunes, I think. Well, I woke up this morning, I was feeling fine, but this cat starts banging, man, what a swine. So I called reception, but to no avail. That's why I'm telling you this sorry tale. It went bang, I said, shut up. It went bang, I said, wrap up. Well, I'm aware that the guy must do his work, but the poor driver man drove me berserk. He said, Captain. I said what? He said captain. I said what? He said captain. He said what? He said captain. He said what you want? You know, it's it's pretty simple, like you said, and and you're right because I actually have a compositional background. 
um, in college, you know, I studied music composition and it was a lot easier writing like, you know, a big symphonic piece rather than just like a little piano, solo piano, something. So I, I completely get it. And then transitioning to writing like just a tune, like I had to write a couple of songs for like some retreats at our church. And it was hard. It really was. Cause like you said, you're limited to like three, maybe four chords, maybe throw in the minor six somewhere in there. And it's, you know, if your melody isn't strong enough, then like sometimes it doesn't matter what chord you use. It just doesn't sound right. So I completely get it. But how did you transition from like the, some of the harder, even kind of goth edged stuff from the damned to some of the more pop stuff, uh, you know, with using like the fair light and stuff like that with Tony Mansfield. How did that come about? Yeah. They, the solo career came about, I guess, because uh, I, I found myself accumulating with a, a, a quite a collection of uh, damned rejects, you know, songs that they uh, weren't going to touch with a barge pole because, well, because because <laughs> they were so poppy, they're so melodic, right. uh, and I had I did have melodies coming out of my ears um, <laughs> at, the, at the time, so. Um, right. So I had to do something with them. And uh, I had a, a girlfriend at the time who was very into uh, new music. And we went to see them perform uh, at Fairfield Halls, uh, concert hall around the corner from where, where I lived. And um, after the show, she said, come on, let's go backstage and have a, and talk to the band. So um, I said, yeah, yeah. I said, but you, you know, I don't know. I don't know them. It's a bit awkward, really. Um, and they might think we're, you know, we're weirdos or something. Anyway, so right. so she dra- she dragged me backstage, and she was quite pretty, and she managed to uh, elbow her way into the dressing room, and she said, she said, uh, Tony Mansfield, this is Captain Sensible of the Damned. You should produce his demos. And that was the first thing she said to him, and um, and he was he was quite you know an unassuming shy kind of bloke, uh-huh. and if, and he, his reply was, oh um, that's really nice, very uh, very nice to meet you, Captain. Um, yes, I know of the damned. Uh, of course, I, I'd love to uh, produce your demos. So, <laughs> so incredibly, <laughs> I, uh, next week I found myself in a studio with Tony. Wow, and uh, and my damned rejects, and of course, uh, well, we were in a studio. Uh, we started at one o'clock in the morning because we mm-hmm. were getting a studio for free, you know, d- right. downtime when it's not used. So um, we were in the studio in Mitcham, South London, and uh, of course, we've been down a pub. And uh, we, by the time we got to the, the studio, we, we were, we in fact, most of our sessions were you know, lubricated by vast amounts of alcohol. But it didn't, it, it didn't seem to matter because I, I really liked the, uh, the, the beautiful purity of the synth sound, uh, right. the, production, the production that Tony was getting. And those, right. uh, those two, the first two new music albums are just magnificent. Um, I play them, I still play them over and over again to, uh, today, you know, uh, World of Water and, you know, all, all these living by numbers. These are such right. good songs, you know. I mean, he he did have his finger right on the, you know, perfect pop pulse at the time. And, um, you know, so anyway, so I really love the sound and he seemed to like my tunes because they're very melodic. 
But of course, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I played them to him. When I played him in my demos, there were me, you know, and a, and a distorted guitar, uh, which soon became, you know, drum machines and, uh, you know, <laughs> the, old, the old Prophet 5 and the Roland right. Jupiter 8, you know. And this is, this is before uh, he got into the Fairlight. Oh, okay. So um, a lot of the... Uh, yeah, because this is right at the transition uh, between um, uh, the, the, right at the start of the um, the synth revolution, you know, if you like, because mm-hmm. uh, the, the punk was kind of a, a great a great leveler. It was it was a wonderful moment for musicians in that you know before then you needed a vast amount of money or a big record deal to get into a recording studio because the studios are expensive. Right. But after that, with, after the synth revolution, which was the maybe punk second wave, you know, the, the, the music mm-hmm. revolution, um, right. synthesizers and recording technology became so cheap that you could make a really good album in your bedroom, you know, and a lot of people were doing that. Um, so, so anyway, um, uh, uh, what am I waffling on about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when it comes to One Christmas Catalog, what was the inspiration for that song? Because uh, now at this point, this was what, 1984. So you've already had a solo career for, for a few years now. You've, you've kind of done the, the pop synth thing. Um, what was the inspiration for One Christmas Catalog? Like, like how did that song come about? So I do remember that. Yeah, the... Uh... We'd done the sampler, the SS950, whatever it was, the Akai, and that, mm-hmm. that was that, very difficult to operate because you needed to trigger every sample individually. Um, when the fair, Fairlight came along, oh, Fairlight cost as much as a house uh, at the time. <laughs> I, and, I can um, imagine. Yeah, they were ridiculously expensive. Now you can get one in your iPad for 20, 20 quid. <laughs> uh, right. But... Um, <laughs> That one, so we had the Fairlight on board by then, and we were throwing things into it, you know, samples from, um, you know, I was taking records in from a record collection, my mum and dad's record collection, which is where Happy Talk came from, um, stuff like that. So we'd do samples. And the the thing that was inspiration for uh, Christmas Catalog was the two samples. One, the Merry Christmas which I think came from Citizen Kane. Oh wow! The the movie and the yeah. other sample. The other sample was um, a little choir um, sample, which went. You can just hear it in the background of a uh, one Christmas catalog. It goes, Ooh. it's just a shimmering kind of um, choir that that, that had a. A beautiful atmospheric kind of, you know, tinge to it that, that right. inspired, inspired the whole song, really. Oh wow! And so, did did you write the song on your guitar, or did you write it on on keyboard? Like, just how did the how did you put the song together? Because sometimes, like when I'm writing something, I usually get like a melody pop in my head, like in the weirdest place, like when I'm in the shower, and then I'll, I'll run to my guitar and like sit down and, and plunk out some chords to put it together. So you had these samples. How did you put the song together? Um, the, that's not quite so clear in my memory. Uh, the a lot of it was Tony um, fiddling around with page R on uh, the Fairlight, 
page okay. R was uh, I can't remember what was the, what did the R stand for? Um, was it random or something like that? I mean, if you, sometimes you could just like sort of you know do stuff, not even looking at the key, or just like sort of tap 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 tap, and it would put it into uh, uh, into time afterwards and create these really nice rhythms. Okay. So we, you know, like the, the 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 difference between Kate Bush's first album and then the one she that she did on the Fairlight, which was mm-hmm. a completely different kettle of fish. But, <laughs> it really um, was, yeah. But, but equally, you know, equally brilliant because uh, she was net, then she was writing songs, you know, uh, with the inspiration instead of like locking yourself away in your room for like you know months and creating these masterpieces she was she was doing the random thing on uh, on the fairlight the same as mansfield <laughs> was so uh, yeah i can't remember to be quite honest how, how we okay. put the t- tune together but it did come from that sample the the choir and um and then mansfield was creating all these uh, i mean i love that bit is that that nice little jerky rhythm. Um, whether there's there's not an awful lot of um, in, real instrumentation on uh, Christmas catalogue, I don't think. On what he let me play the bass, which was nice of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we we did have rows, you know, me and Tony. We had we had some real yeah. humdingers in the studio uh, because he was sometimes he would he would want the um, he would want the what do you call it a vocoder to take all the, to do all the backing vocals, uh, for oh, example, uh-huh. on a song called uh, "Mar for the Mouth," which was mm-hmm. uh, that, that's my favourite on uh, the first album, my first album. He wanted the backing vocals to all to just be uh, vocoder, and I really loved um, the melody that I was doing uh, on the backing vocals. Won't you tell us about the bugs, Martha? Please tell us about the bugs, Martha. That uh, uh-huh. I really liked that um, that melody, but uh, he just wanted it to go. <laughs> well, a vocoder will so, definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but mo- mo- most of the time, we yeah, we we're on the same page. Okay. Did you uh, intend to write a Christmas song? Like, like when you started writing lyrics for it, was it purposely going to be about Christmas, or did it kind of fall into place? Yeah, I absolutely love Christmas songs. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, you know there was a such a it, 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 the Christmas song thing in the seventies was just massive, wasn't it? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. every band that that was around had a, a Christmas. They all wanted to be number one at Christmas, you know. And uh, right. I just thought, once again, it was a, a beautiful uh, restrictive formula that, that, that you know that, that kind of 
it's difficult. It's very difficult to do something that, you know, in that genre that right. hasn't been done before, you know. Some of the later ones to the party were, I think, Shaking Stevens and Gary Glitter. He had one out, you know. Oh, rock, yeah, he uh, did. Rock and Roll another Christmas. Rock and Roll Christmas, yeah. Which was yeah. which was which was a, another another good one, yeah. So uh, so I liked the uh, Christmas um, single thing, uh, and in fact, the Damned have done two. I think it is now. Is it? Uh, so there ain't no sanity clause, and was it? Oh no! And then I did one. Then I did another one on on my own with uh, well, with some friends. Um, called uh, Ears Your Christmas. We called it, uh, we called the band Punk Aid. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think I've heard That's... that one. I'm going to have to go search it out now. Yes, yeah, Ears Your Christmas. And I, and I think it's abbreviated. We took the H off the front end. So it's apostrophe <laughs> E-R-E, Ears Your Christmas. <laughs> Make it very British there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's cool. Um, so you, the verse chords... I mean, it's a lot of just like one chord and the four chord, you know, uh, like A and E alternating back and forth. But then it does something really, really cool, which I like in the refrain where you go, you use like a, the minor six chord, but you use it as a way to like transition to like a secondary dominant, like a five of five. And so I, I found that fascinating. Was that, again, something that just came out from the randomized thing or was that uh, intentional, like to fit your melody that you had in your mind? I haven't got a clue what the chords are. Um, which bit are you talking about? Sorry. Uh, so it's on the uh, and there's a turkey in oh, yeah. the wings on that section. You know, uh, he he loves to dance and he can't sing. Right there, you kind of yeah. go to like a five of five almost. Yeah. And there's a turkey in the wings. He doesn't dance and he can't sing. One Christmas catalog. Too many. yeah it's it's fantastic so did you come with that with that melody and then they kind of played around with you know that that page r or was it like you had we were very yeah we were very um focused on the melody it was it was all about the melody gotcha. that was what the whole project was about and um we would have uh we would have honed in on every little bit of that tune okay. and fine-tuned fine it to uh, to get the maximum amount of melody out of it. I mean, I I, I grew up as a schoolboy, you know, you know, the Beatles were on radio all the time. Right, and uh, right. whether you like them or, or you don't, you know, they so dominated that, um, I mean, I, I find it difficult now to put a song together that that you know doesn't have that doesn't go intro verse chorus verse chorus middle eight you know chorus yeah. <laughs> uh, repeat yep. fade you know I mean it's it's <laughs> it's the classic pop structure from the sixties it really is yeah. and and even though I'm you know I'm in a, a gnarled 
you know, gnarled old punk group, um, I still find myself uh, adhering to that structure. So, and also the, the melody thing was, you know, I, I, I do try not to nick my melodies from, I know, I know this, right. I, I can hear when other people do it, you know, and it mm-hmm. annoys me because I think, I, I, I think to myself, well, I work so hard at not nicking from, um, you know, right. people like, people like the Beatles, you know, because it, I, th- I just think it, if you're a songwriter, you should really try and do something, you, you know, do something uh, fresh. Right. But there you go. I mean, I mean, you can even hear these days. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> you can even hear uh, these new artists. Um, There's a lot of sampling. They're, yeah, they're not just <laughs> nicking nicking the melodies. They're nicking the whole sound of old tunes. You know, of, of old hits. And right. um, it does annoy me. But uh, yeah, they're sampling like all over the place. And I mean, I'm like you. I. I I mean, my, I mean, my whole vibe is about the eighties. And so I, I, of course I live in the past as well. So I, I totally uh, listen to all that and especially stuff from like the seventies. I was super into classic rock and then I was uh, into like heavy metal, but like of the eighties, you know, so like thrash metal, like Metallica. And then randomly, I really got into like bebop and jazz. And so I, so my, my whole songwriting experience is quite different, but as far as like you were, you were talking about the Beatles, there is something almost Beatles-esque about it because you go to that like secondary dominant, but instead of resolving to the dominant, like you would expect, it goes back mm. to like, you know, the one chord. I mean, it's, it's just, it's brilliant. It, it really is. And I, I, I got to applaud you for that because it, it sounds fresh and interesting. And, uh, and, and that's something you don't hear a lot of in like Christmas music, especially Christmas music of this time. So well done on that. Mm. Cause I thought that was amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I, you know, it, it's, it's as close, I think, as we got to the perfect pop song, one Christmas catalogue. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it still sounds good. And I and I tell you what, as well, I love hearing other people's versions of it. There's a few out there. There uh, are. There's yeah. one kind of uh, really, uh, an American kind of grungy band have done a great version of it. And there's a Japanese uh, girl pop group did it. Uh, and yeah they did a fab version it was really really good it's one of those tunes you can you know um you can really make it make it sound you know different and and yet the the tune rings through hopefully right. and, I th- <laughs> and i think that's a mark of a great song is when the melody uh you can adapt a melody to any style and still know exactly what song it is because sometimes mm. people will take a song and and they'll do the melody and they'll just it doesn't sound at all like the song and maybe their version's pretty good, but it's like, well, you really just overdid it there. You didn't have to go so far, but I think when you can tell with all the transformations and anything that you do to it, you know, I think that's the sound of a, uh, that's a mark of like a really great strong melody. So um, that's definitely saying something, but uh, I did want to ask, so there's a, in the, in the chorus, when you say one Christmas catalog, you know, too many, and then there's a voice that says Christmas to Christmas. Was that sampled yeah. or was, was that one of, uh, one of you guys? Yeah, that was sampled as well from, uh, okay. from a, a movie. I, that one, I don't know, uh, which movie it was from, but I okay. know, uh, I know we were watching Citizen Kane and that's where I think, I believe the, uh, the, the kid comes in at the front end, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Christmas to Christmas. Yeah. I'd right. like to know if, if, yeah. 
you'd need to yeah if i was watching a film one you know afternoon and uh that that leapt out at me it would be a you know a great moment to find out what it was <laughs> i'll have to go uh do some some deep diving into some christmas films then <laughs> yeah oh man um just a couple more quick questions here but uh so why Christmas catalogs? What uh, what was it about uh, Christmas catalogs that made you want to write about it? I think it, it was. Um, are they still around Christmas catalogs? I, I don't know, but uh, it just seemed like an anomaly to me that uh, you know they that they even existed. It was just right. really strange. Really strange. Yeah, we. I mean, me and Tony had this word. It was weird. Uh, we we liked weird things because we. You know, when you when you're a musician, you live in a kind of a bubble where mm-hmm. normality normality seems weird to you. <laughs> and uh, I think it was one of those normal things that we found weird and right. we were just kind of laughing at it. Uh, so I think that's where it came. But Tony was all about the uh, finding a snappy title for a tune, um, and that was a good title for a song. Uh, it definitely was, and, yeah. And the the lyric came from that. I said, I said "What are we going to write about, Tony?" He said, "He said, oh, anything that's on your mind." You know. So, uh, so I said, "Well, <laughs> I said everyone has a good time at Christmas, except the poor old turkey." He said, "Well, just write about that then." You know. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, and in the video, you actually uh, free a turkey, don't you? <laughs> uh, yes. I save the turkey from the oven, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I, I, th- I throw it out the back window of the, the cottage with the, with the snow coming down and everything. And the, the turkey's still got some life in it and it flies off, <laughs> flies <laughs> off in, into the snow. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's a good bit. <laughs> fairly well, and, wacky concept. Well, also in the video, it almost seems like you go through a wardrobe and get to like Narnia with the lamppost. I don't know if that was intentional or if that was just you were walking outside in the snow, but it, uh, it, it I got real like Narnia vibes from that as well. Oh, right. Yeah, there was. Yeah, we, we, we were into that sort of stuff because um, right. I yeah, the um, the place it was filmed, uh, the, uh-huh. it was the studio. It was a, a studio called Ridge Farm in um, near, near Gatwick Airport uh, in s- south of England. I mean, I, I remember having to uh, stop doing the uh, the vocals. You know, every time a plane flew overhead, um, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we, we were only in a barn, you know, and it right. didn't have brilliant uh, soundproofing. Right. Um, but no, it was a, it was an old barn, and it was like. Uh, you know, with creaky doors and all that, so it was perfect for the video, and yeah. the, the the rest of it we did in a, in a studio with people shaking pretend snow on us. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. I used to love those pop star days. You know, uh, <laughs> do, do, doing videos and being driven around in limousines. God, oh, yeah, gl- I can imagine. <laughs> you know, pe- people asking you for autographs and giving you bottles of nice bottles of wine fantastic <laughs> you still have your uh your red beret that you wear on your show oh, i've got and... i've got a box full here yeah i've just been <laughs> rummaging through my old junk <laughs> <laughs> right on so i mean if i had to ask just one question it would be what would you say would be like your hap hap happiest memory or moment 
with this song, One Christmas Catalog, like like the, the one that just sticks out most to you? Well, it was almost always my ambition to get on top of the pops because, uh, you know, all my heroes have done it. Right. And um, I mean, we don't have top of the pops anymore. It's, it's, but it's it was for my generation, it meant so much. And to actually, you know, to be in a taxi and being driven into the BBC to uh, to go down into the studio and and you know hobnob with all the other artists and um, go to you know go to the green room and you know have a drink before you know you go and do your rehearsals and then dress up and cavort around like a maniac i mean it was just so brilliant you know um yeah meet the djs and yeah because i was a fan i was just a, Mm -hmm. a, a massive pop fan and i ended up doing you know the best job in the world for me really and uh it's just been fantastic to uh, to to have been able to, you know, do the job you love, and right. um, and get away with not working for uh, most of my life. You <laughs> I know, and I, I'm at, I'm at retirement age now, you know, so I've pretty much done it. I always used to say, you know, that every day I don't have to go to work is a success for me. So um, yeah, I've just about done it. So I, I, no, nobody's ever going to ask me to go out to work now. I'm too old, so. Fantastic! I've done it. I've achieved, <laughs> achieved my my life's aim. <laughs> you know, they they actually did try to bring Top of the Pops overseas over here. I think it was around for like one season, and that was it. It was hosted by Neo Peoples. I think there was just uh, too many other, you know, things like MTV and VH1 just competing with it, and so it didn't do very well, unfortunately. But like Top of the Pops over there was huge, so I can imagine being on that would be just fantastic so yeah i i dig it man i dig it uh but it does it does make me wonder so like you know when it comes to music like writing the music is just half the battle what do you think the other half of the battle is well um i had a manager and uh he said we was (laughs) we did a lot of our uh, meetings in the pub (laughs) and he said um he said look you know the, the the, the artist is just, you know, the very, very t- the artist is the person that everyone knows, mm-hmm. but they're just the tip of a very big iceberg. You know, this, the, without any of the components of which you won't pretty much won't have a, a hit record. And, you know, it, and we were listing all the things that there was about 12 um, different people that you needed, you know, from, PR agents, you know, publishing, record label manager. You need a there's a whole list of people, um, a, a producer, and uh, oh, uh, when when you've got every base covered, um, mm-hmm. you've got a chance. You've got a chance in the old pop game, but um, you do need all of these things i don't know what it's like nowadays but this is this is the way it was back in the you know the days of uh, selling real records you needed a, a plugger a plugger right. and you needed you needed <laughs> you needed someone to go out and buy the records so i mean because we because <laughs> we used right. to buy it we used to buy our own records didn't we back in, they called it they called it payola <laughs> i think it was it was, a, it was very naughty but uh, the plugger used to arrange teams of people to go around <laughs> to go around chart return shops 
up and down Britain, you know, and buy uh, the records so that you get <laughs> nice. into you get into next week's chart. And if you climbed into the BBC chart at maybe number forty six or number forty four, something like that, you'd mm-hmm. get a chance of, of you know getting played on the radio, going into the uh, uh, onto the playlists, and it was. You know, that's the way it was. Uh, I suppose all sorts of jiggery pokery go on these days, but uh, on a on a digital <laughs> digital basis. But you know, uh, there you go. Am I proud of it? Not really. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, you know, everyone was out doing it. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Brian, Brian May was probably out buying his own. Records. <laughs> <laughs> I would, Eric Clapton, probably. I would like uh, to see I that, a, actually. Yeah. <laughs> could I have another one of those Eric Clapton records? Uh, oh, nice to see you, Eric. Oh, no, no, never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not by my own. I'm not. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Captain, it's been fantastic talking with you. But, uh, you know, what do you got coming up? Like, what do you want to plug? Oh, crikey. Um, we've got a new uh, Damned album in the can, which uh, oh, nice. Which uh, is, is an interesting album because it's, it's very, very, uh, a, lot of, a lot of really cashy tunes on it, as, edu- as you'd imagine. Um, right. But, you know, with, with the null kind of um, punk edge and, and mm-hmm. you know, and the goth tinge that we've got. Um, it's... <laughs> yeah. it's uh, but there's there's a couple of tr- interesting tracks or interesting lyrics on there. One's uh, sh- shouldn't really say, but uh, yeah, one of the, we we mentioned him earlier, uh, and he he's uh, I think he's in prison at the moment. The uh, the singer who who cannot be named. Um, mm, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I wrote a song about him. Uh, you know, uh, it's a fi- you have to. It's a fine line you know between uh yeah i mean you can't say good things about him but then right. again you can't deny the music was magnificent you know and right. uh, that 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 stomping beat is just uh i mean nobody else sounds like that uh, uh, uh yeah i believe i believe, uh, I believe uh, adam ant was a big fan as well you know um mm-hmm. yeah so so yeah anyway the damned album's coming out Sometimes, you know, you just have to separate like the artist from the art, you know, and so sometimes the art is just amazing uh, whether or not the artist is. So, uh, so I get it. But uh, yes, any... same with authors and all sorts. Yeah. I mean, there's, exactly. there's, lots, of yeah. Do- do- there's lots of dodgy um, creative people from the, the you know, from yeah, history. Exactly. Uh, you, you can't, you can't um, just start burning books and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I, I hope not. But <laughs> um, so you said some gigs were cancelled. Any others uh, that weren't that someone could check you out on? Yeah, we're coming out to support Blondie uh, in August. I think it is. Nice. So yeah, that'd be fun. Right on, and they can uh, get them tickets online. I imagine. Yeah, probably. Uh, I don't okay. Know. I just, yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> it's a, there's a damn website, officialdam.com. It's called. Okay. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'll link, I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes and everything as well. 
again, thank you so much. It's been so cool meeting you. So cool talking with you. And I've had a blast just learning about some of this, uh, this song, but you know, about some of the stuff you, you were into as well too. So thanks again. Yeah. Cheers, Jerry. Very nice to speak to you. <laughs> and I'll end it by saying, and outside it's cool here. It's fresh and bright. Why don't you take my arm? Let's get out of sight and check us out on our social media pages, Facebook and Instagram at Totally Rad Christmas, Twitter at Rad Christmas, or our Facebook group, Totally Rad Christmas Mall and Arcade, where you can make your voice known to us as well. We post anything and everything 80s or Christmas related. And if you're feeling like the turkey in the wings who'd like to dance but can't sing, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us reach more people and spread some rad holiday cheer. Now, don't forget to check out our merch shop on tpublic.com and our super dope website, totallyradchristmas.com, courtesy of Tis the Podcast Elf, Tom Crow. Why don't you take my arm? Let's get out of sight. Christmas to Christmas. Later, dudes. Cause I wasn't there It was yesterday Statues have their fun People have their day And history comes and goes It's time for us to play And there's a turkey in the wings He doesn't die